Uh, read this verse in unison, pausing briefly at the punctuation marks. Romans chapter 5, verse 12, the Word of God says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. And let's pray. Lord, help us as we turn to your word to answer a, an important question. A question that's been asked countless times. A question that Satan uses in the hearts of people to keep them away from you. And I pray today it would encourage your people to know the answer to this truth. And that perhaps if there's anyone that listens to this that's not saved, that it would provoke them, convict them, and help them to turn to you for the salvation of their soul through faith in your Son. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. One of the questions you'll hear a lot in this world is how could a good God allow so much evil and suffering? Think about that. How could a good God allow so much evil and suffering? Have you ever thought about that? Maybe you've heard someone uh, talk about that. There are some Bible-believing Christians that go around to different colleges and universities, and they'll give a lecture, and then they will uh, ask for a question-and-answer time. And the students will ask questions, and they'll try to give Bible answers. I heard a man say one time that had done that for decades. He said, there are about 10 questions that get, an that get asked every time. Every time there are about 10 questions that get asked by unbelievers, by atheists, by agnostics, and these questions are... Something in their heart that's keeping them from believing in God and trusting in Christ. He said the number one answer, or the, excuse me, the number one question that I've gotten over the years is how could a good God allow so much evil and suffering? Evil and suffering is hard to reconcile. You look around the world, you see so much pain. So much sorrow, so much suffering. You look at some areas of our world where starvation is a real thing. How could God allow that to happen? Where drought, uh, people thirsting to death, disease. What about war? There have always been wars throughout human history. And there will be wars until Jesus comes back to set everything straight. But the untold suffering of war. You know, there's talk about war nowadays, and I heard someone who was pretty thoughtful on the subject say, he said, one of the dangers facing our world today, specifically America, is no one is old enough to remember what war is really like. He said there's a few older people that remember World War II, Vietnam War, uh, Korea, he said, but the vast majority of people have no idea how terrible war really is. 
And he said, that's one of the big reasons I'm afraid we're going to enter another one, is because people don't know. Most of the wars that have been fought within our lifetimes have been wars fought on faraway soils that didn't really touch us here. But all around the world, there's suffering. I think about places in around the world where authoritarians uh, and dictators rule with an iron fist. Places where the idea of freedom is, is really unknown. You look around the world, stories about how in China, during COVID, they would literally just lock people in their apartments and let them starve. That happened. Places like North Korea, where they don't even have a word for freedom. Not only are they not free, they don't know what freedom is. One lady found her way out and has written some books, and it's fascinating to, to hear her talk about the North Korean culture and the frame of mind. They, they just don't know. Why don't they rise up? They don't know what freedom is. They don't know anything else. In the last 120 years, over 100 million people have been killed by the different isms. Socialism, communism, and different types of isms that take over around the world. How could God allow this? What about in your own heart? Why, why did you have to get cancer? Why did your mom have to die? Why did your dad have to get so sick and suffer so long? Why did your child have to go to heaven early? Why did your marriage have to break up? Oh, why, why this and why this and... Why are you so sick? And, and, and all the questions. And listen to me now. Satan uses suffering to attack God. And the accuser of the Almighty steps back and says, How could a good God let any of this happen? And so here's the conclusion people come to. Either God is not good or God is not real. Because a good God would never allow any of this to happen. Dear friend, there are people in your community that believe this. There are people at the universities around that this is what they have heard. Either God is not good or God is not real because of all the suffering. There have been untold people who in their own hearts have turned away from God because God allowed suffering into their lives and they shake a fist at God. How could you let this happen? This is a very real question, isn't it? And it's a question that every believer has to settle in your own heart for your sake. So when the accuser comes and begins to accuse God to you, you say, stop. I know the answer to this question. And you know the answer well enough that when someone else believes this way, you can give them the Bible answer. So how could God allow so much evil and so much suffering? It's one of the most asked 
questions in religion, thankfully, it has a rather simple answer. You may not like the answer, but the answer is really pretty simple. I'm going to give you the answer today, and then we're going to spend a little bit of time looking at it in the Scriptures and then understand how God can even bring good out of bad things and use bad things for our own good and the good of the world. If we go back to the beginning of the Bible, the Almighty God created a perfect universe. It was untouched by sin. He created a perfect earth. There was nothing wrong with the earth. It never got too hot. It never got too cold. Nobody ever got a sunburn. There were no meat-eating animals. Roses didn't have thorns. There was no such thing as poison ivy. Nobody had ever had a cut, a bruise, a blister. Nobody ever got sick. Nobody ever died. Into this perfect place, God created a perfect man. Man's name was Adam. Adam had a perfect body untouched by sin. His, his physical body would have literally lived forever in this perfect world. Matter of fact, doctors today and physicians today tell us that under the right conditions, the human body could live forever. Did you know that every seven years, every cell in your body is brand new? That's pretty cool. The problem is there's something wrong with our body. The code got messed up to where every generation something called corruption sets in, and we see it as age. So every revolution of this renewing, it shows our age, and it shows our age, and it shows our age. Things stop working right but the human body was built to live forever. That's why they're always talking about if they can just crack the code. They can crack the code to immortality. One man was debating someone that said, we're almost there. We can almost crack the code of immortality. And this Christian scientist said, you're about 2,000 years too late. And the guy looked at him and said, what are you talking about? He said, Jesus Christ cracked the code of immortality when he rose again from the dead. But he said, God's plan is not trying to get you to live forever physically in a sinful world. God's plan is for you to live forever in a perfect place called heaven. And we do that through salvation, forgiveness of sins, through faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. A perfect man in a perfect place with perfect animals. But there was a problem. The man was lonely. And the animals weren't enough. I mean, having your own personal duckbill platypus as a friend, that would be nice. But he was lonely. And God said, it's not good for man to be alone. So I'll make a help meet for him. I will make a helper that's perfectly matched to him. The word meat speaks of 
appropriate. It's a matching. So I'm going to give this man called Adam a perfect partner that's perfectly made for him. And this was woman. And the woman was perfect. And they lived in this perfection. Perfect garden with perfect animals and a perfect God. The world was perfect. But God said, I need to give you one rule so that you can choose to follow me. You see, God doesn't want robots to follow him. I'm thankful my wife loves me. And she does. But it wouldn't mean as much if I had her chained to the bed. And she was a prisoner and I made her love me. No love stories written about that. No movies, no Hallmark movies about that. You know why? It ruins the point. The point is we chose each other. And God says, I don't want to make robots that are programmed to love me and serve me and follow me. I want to make these distinct, separate organisms I'm going to call people. And I want them to love me. So God had to give them something called free will. He had to give them the ability to choose him. But in a perfect world, there was no choice to be made. There was no wrong to do. There were no laws to disobey. So God said, I'm Adam and Eve, I'm going to give you one rule. And this one rule is simply so you can choose to follow me every day. And you can show me your love by choosing me. So God put a tree in the garden, and he called it the tree of what? The knowledge of good and evil. And God said, your one rule is you can eat anything. Imagine how good the, the food must have been. Perfect taste buds. Eating a perfect piece of fruit. Can you imagine? They say apples today don't taste like apples did 100 years ago. And they're not nearly as nutrient rich as they were 100 years ago. Imagine how much nutrients a perfect piece of food could have. Imagine how much, how good it could taste with perfect taste buds and perfect. I mean, they had everything that they needed. They had, they had no needs, no wants. They'd never known pain or suffering. One rule, just don't eat of that tree. Why? Because I said, don't eat of that tree. Well, you know the story. Satan possesses the serpent. Back then, serpents weren't ugly things crawling across the ground. Serpents were beautiful creatures. You really want to blow your mind. The Bible seems to tell us that in the Garden of Eden, animals could talk. Dr. Doolittle. We have no idea how much we lost in the world the moment Adam and Eve chose to sin. We have no concept about how much we lost. Science tells us today that we use about 10% of our brain. The smartest of us use about 10% of our brain. What happened to the other 90%? It got locked away. We, we don't have access to it. What could we do with that? 
It's perfect place, perfect people, one rule. The devil convinced Eve to do the one thing God told her not to do. And the breaking of God's law is called what? Sin. And the moment she took a bite of that fruit, everything changed for her. What's really fascinating is that Adam was still in a perfect state. The world was still in a perfect state. We won't get into it too much theologically, but Adam was the representative of this new world. The Bible said God had given him dominion. He was the kind of the, the king, the ruler of this new world. Eve came to Adam and said, I've eaten this fruit. And Adam could have chosen God, but Adam chose to sin with his wife. The moment Adam changed, excuse me, the moment Adam sinned, he changed and the world changed with him. Sin not only affected their own bodies, but when Adam chose to sin, sin affected the very creation itself. I wonder if there was an earthquake. I wonder what happened in that moment when creation itself shook as it was violated, infected with this sin. But we know in that day everything changed. Hold your place here and turn to Revelation, excuse me, Genesis, Genesis chapter 3. The moment Adam and Eve chose that piece of fruit, everything changed. We see in verse 9, God comes to the garden like he did every day so we could spend time with, with Adam and Eve. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said, Where art thou? Verse 10, And he said, Adam said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he, God, said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? The first thing that changed was Adam's relationship with God. He'd never been apart from God before. He was always waited for God to come in the cool of the day. He looked forward to his time with God. He'd never hid before, but now Adam is hiding from God. Why? Because sin severed the relationship that Adam had with God. God said, don't eat of that fruit, for in the day that thou eatest of it, thou shalt surely die. And Adam and Eve didn't die physically that day, but they died spiritually. Their connection to God was severed, and they began the process of dying physically as their very DNA was infected with this thing called sin. We see immediately the connection with God was severed. We see next that Adam begins to blame his wife. First marital fight in the history of the world. It's her fault. Look what he says in verse 12. And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I did eat. There's actually two blames here. 
The first blame is to God. God, this is your fault. You gave her to me. And the second thing is, and then she gave it to me. You gave her to me, and then she gave me the fruit. This ain't my fault. And then the woman blames the serpent. She said, verse 13, the serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. Well, she blames the serpent. Nobody's taking responsibility here. That's how, that's how deeply this is ingrained in our sinful nature. You want to change your life? The first step to changing your life is take responsibility for your sin. Take responsibility for your mistakes. If you can't do that, you will never get any further because there's always somebody to blame. Even if it doesn't make sense to anybody else, it makes you feel better to blame somebody. But it doesn't help you. He goes on to say, uh, he curses the serpent, and the serpent now that we have uh, going on uh, with no legs and eating the dirt and all that, he puts enmity between the man and the woman. How many women in here hate snakes? Go ahead and raise your hand. How many women hate snakes? Tell the truth. You hate snakes. You can thank Eve for that. Because the enmity is you see a snake, you go, ah! That goes all the way back to this moment. You see how thoroughly this one act corrupted our very natures. He goes on to say, verse 16, Unto the woman, he said, I'll greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. I've been told that having babies hurts. Doesn't look too tough to me, but no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding, sweetie. I love you. I'm kidding. <laughs> My wife got superhuman strength in labor. I remember one time she's like holding my hand and she like starts to crush my hand like the Incredible Hulk. And I'm like, ah! you know, I know the pain. I've seen the pain. That goes back to this moment. Verse 17. He tells Adam, because thou hast eaten of the tree, I commanded thee, thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. And in sorrow thou shalt eat of it all the days of thy life. So it's hard to... To grow food, thorns and thistles, verse 18. The sweat of thy face, work was always there because work is productive. And it's, by the way, work is good for you. But part of Adam's sin was now work's going to be hard. And you've got to learn to endure hard work before you get the joy and the benefit out of work. And he says in verse 19, Till thou return unto the ground. This is physical death. He says, Adam, I made you from the dirt supernaturally. I made you, and now your body's going to have to die, and it's going to be buried and turned back into dirt. All of these things happened because of sin. And all the evil in the world can be explained. By sin. God created man with a free will and placed him in a perfect world. Man chose to sin and rebel against God. That single act of rebellion introduced sin, suffering, and death into the world. Don't miss this. Every moment of suffering can be traced back to this one act. 
Look back at Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, let's read our text verse again now with this in mind. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world. So Adam sins. Notice this is consistent all throughout the Bible. Eve sinned, but Adam as the, the one that had dominion over the earth, it was his sin that actually plunged the earth into all of the, the trouble it's in now. For as by one man sin entered into the world, what came with sin? And death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. So Adam brought sin into the world, and sin is passed along to every man, woman, and child. You say, well, this is Adam's fault. In one way, yes, but in another way, it's your fault. Notice that it says, and so death passed upon all men. Why? For all have sinned. Here's the truth. The Bible teaches that all of us were in Adam when he sinned. You and I would have made the same choice in Adam's shoes. It's all of our faults. We would have made the same choice. And in Adam, we did make that choice. That's how we're sinners by birth, sin nature's passed on to us, but we're sinners by choice. We would have chosen to sin just like Adam did, and we choose to sin today because we are sinners. Every moment of human suffering can be traced back to original sin. Romans chapter 8, verses 19 through 22 talk about how the creation itself was infected with sin, and it's waiting for the redemption that God's going to bring whenever Christ comes and, and provides a, a new heaven and a new earth. Think about this. Today, suffering continues because mankind refuses to live according to God's commandments. It's not just Adam's fault. That started the ball rolling. But the problem today is there's so much sin and suffering because mankind chooses to live in rebellion. Think about this. Imagine how much sin and suffering would be erased if people chose to live by the Ten Commandments. Just the simple Ten Commandments. How much would our community be? Take any city in America. If the citizens just were willing and able to live by those Ten Commandments, would you agree that the city would be changed? In a moment? What about if people were willing to live by the teachings of Jesus Christ? The world would be changed in a moment. Suffering began with Adam and Eve, but it continues because we are making the same mistake over and 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 over in every generation, we make the same mistake Adam and Eve makes by rebellion and sin against God. And we don't do it by eating a piece of forbidden fruit. We do it by saying, it's my way. I want my way. I want to do what I want, when I want, how I want, why I want, for how long I want. And ultimately, I don't care what it costs and who it hurts. I'm going to do it my way. That is pride, and that is sin. 
Think back to your own life. How much trouble have you gotten into because you said, I'm going to do this and I don't care who said not to. You ever gotten any trouble doing that? You ever gotten any trouble saying, I know the Bible says not to, but... You ever get yourself in any trouble doing that? The truth is all of our suffering is because of sin. I hurt myself when I choose to sin. But I also hurt others when I choose to sin. And you hurt yourself when you choose to sin, and you hurt others when you choose to sin. That's kind of the hardest sin to take. When we sin and it's our own fault, it stinks, but we can kind of be like, oh man, that was stupid. But what if you're doing nothing wrong and somebody else does something terrible and you have to suffer for it? What if you're just driving back from the store and a drunk driver hits you and kills someone you love? It's not your fault. But it is sin. Somebody chooses to murder, steal, rob, lie, cheat, manipulate. The truth is all of us are affected not only by our own sins, but by the sins of others. Every moment of suffering can be traced back to this one thing called sin. We say, okay. Agreed. Why didn't God just stop Adam from sinning? Why didn't God stop that person from getting behind the, 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 the wheel of the car? Why didn't God stop that, that person from doing this or that? Now we get into another problem. And again, the answer is very simple. If you want God to stop all evil and suffering, he would have to remove free will from humanity. The only way to get you to behave is to take away your choice. The only way to keep others from sinning against you is to take away their choice. And then we would have a perfectly structured world. But wait a minute, now we come back to the very beginning. God never wanted robots. He wanted people to choose him. You say, well, why would God create humanity if he knew we were going to cause so many problems? It's a great question with another very simple answer. The same reason we choose to have children. Every parent knows that having a child is going to change their lives. Late nights, dirty diapers, throw up at the least appropriate times, explosive diaper accidents whenever at the, at the worst moments. And then they learn to talk. And their first word is, Mama, Dada. And their second word is, No. Their third word is mine. So now we've got the wonderful twos. Is that what they call them? The terrible twos. The trying threes. 
it's a lot of work to rear kids. And then they get to be adults. And when they're adults, you don't just let them go and never think about them or worry about them again. You literally worry about them the rest of their lives. It would be a logical question to ask, what is wrong with you? Why would you choose this? Because I wanted kids. I wanted someone to love. I wanted someone to teach. And this is the very same reason why God created you knowing all the trouble you're going to cause. And God created humanity knowing all the trouble humanity is going to cause because he chose to love us in spite of all of our falls, faults, flaws, and failures. And he said, I know you're going to sin. That's why before the foundation of the world, God already had a plan. He said, I'm going to create man. They're going to blow it. They're going to be separated from me. They're going to follow the devil. The devil's condemned to this place called eternal hell. They're going to have to have the same punishment because they're doing the same sin as Satan. But God said, I love them. I don't want them to go to hell. So we're going to sacrifice to save them. And Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came down to earth, born of a virgin, so he could live in this world as a sinless human. Lived 33 years among sinful creation only so he could die. He was literally born to die. And at the appropriate time, he went to that cross in a mock trial where everybody knew he was innocent and hanging there, suffering the just for the unjust. The most unfair act in human history is the sinless son of God suffering for the sins of guilty man. And in that time, Jesus took all of his, all of our sin and all of our wrong and all the, the hell that we deserve to pay for eternity. He took it upon himself and he paid for it with his sinless blood, the price of sin. And then he died as we were determined to die. But thanks be to God, he didn't stay dead. Three days later, he rose from the dead, proving that he had the keys to hell and death, that the Son of God said, I conquered death, I died for your sin, and I can save you from death and hell just like I rose again from the dead. What a blessing. Say, so why did God through, go through all that? Because he loves you. And he wanted you to be here. Why, why does God allow all the suffering? Because he wanted you to exist. Why does God allow? Because he gave man free will so they could choose him. Why doesn't God just stop it all now? Because if he stopped it all now and people didn't trust him, they'd have to go to a terrible place called hell. The Bible says his very long suffering is because he's waiting for more and more people to turn to him in faith so they can have their sins forgiven. The very same people that blame God and condemn God are the ones who ignore his incredible sacrifice to save them. Here's the great truth. God's not the villain of the story. He's the hero. 
He's not the problem. He's the solution. He's the Savior. And the way to make sense of suffering is not to blame God or deny Him. The way to make sense of suffering is to turn to God and say, I know this isn't your fault. It's our fault. But would you please help me? And God says, I'll not only help you, I'll forgive all your sin and save you eternally. But in this life, I can bring good out of your suffering. And can I say, in my life, he's brought a lot of good out of my suffering. Suffering is one of those things that none of us would choose to go through it. But sometimes the hardest things you've ever been through, those are the things that you look back and go, I never wanted that, but I don't know if I'd change it. Because from that terrible thing, God has brought so much good. When you give your suffering to God, He not only saves your soul, He can redeem your life. And I'll say that God has changed my life, transformed it. I am not the man I should be. I'm not the person I should have been. And I will confess that the more I submit to God, the more I turn from this thing called sin, the more I surrender to Him and His infinite goodness and, and wisdom, the less sin and suffering I have to go through. Would you agree with that? I often warn my kids. I said, you are blessed by the decisions your mom and dad have made. You don't know what it's like to have a dad come home and knock you across the room. You don't know what it's like to have a mom cuss you out and slap your face. You don't know what it's like to feel unsafe in your own home. You've never seen alcoholism and drugs up close. The danger is that you will not believe these things are destructive. And so all of us have to live by faith. If you're coming from a place where your life is a mess... You have to, by faith, turn to Jesus and say, I believe you're the Savior and I believe you can change my life. And you have to, by faith, turn your back on your old way of living and walk a new path. That's faith. And if you are in a good situation now, you have to, by faith, say, I believe that it is God who's kept me from all of that suffering. And I don't have to go into that mess to find out it's hurtful and bad. I'm going to, by faith, believe God and follow Him. But everybody that follows God has to follow by faith. When you do that, God will take your suffering. He'll save your soul, redeem your life. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the truth that we've heard today. I pray that you'd help us to believe it, to know it, to understand it. You don't want robots. And people don't want to be robots. People just need to learn to turn to you to find salvation, and strength, meaning. Help us to know that ourselves so we never accuse you foolishly. And help us to have the strength and wisdom to 
help others. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. At the end of each of our messages, we take a few moments of reflection and response.